This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Welcome back. Community pharmacists, hospital pharmacists, and pharmacists serving long-term care communities all play important roles in the care of patients. And because you don't always see them, you may not know how they're making sure that you or your loved ones get the right drug at the right time in the right dose. And if you are transitioning from one thing to another, the key is for the service to be seamless, and you really should be aware when you are in a transition, say from the hospital to home, from home to the hospital. Uh, and it's important to understand how this all works. I'm here with our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, Billy Chung. I'm going to give the numbers to call before we start chatting with Billy. If you have questions about this or any other pharmaceutical questions, 416 360 Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Hi, Billy. Welcome. Hi. Nice to see you, Libby. Okay. So, uh, give us the lowdown of the different roles. Well, you know what? It's a we have a unique topic today because I think um, traditionally most people see their pharmacist. I guess majority of them probably see them in the community setting. Uh, some may see them in a hospital if they happen to be in there, and it'd be interesting to see what kind of interactions we have there. Uh, and then there's also long term care pharmacists, and you know, as pharmacists, we graduate from school all with the same education, but uh, pharmacists go into different streams, different areas of specialty, and uh, there are some differences in terms of what pharmacists do in each of those types of settings, right? Um, From a community setting, definitely uh, people are familiar. Pharmacists is behind a counter. They might be in front of the counter helping with over-the-counter medications, but they are filling your prescriptions. They're checking on your prescriptions, making sure that what you're taking is uh, correct and uh, doing counseling and obviously providing a lot of those new services we've talked about, such as medication reviews and flu shots and broader immunizations and things like that. But uh, hospital pharmacy... Different setting, completely different setting, and 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 you'll actually know that uh, you know hospital pharmacists and community pharmacists. They don't. There's not a lot of movement around between the uh, two groups. Like when someone goes into hospital, they might be in hospital for a long time, and they may be doing a little bit of part-time work somewhere else. But uh, it's uh, it's kind of a different environment. Um, in a hospital setting, the pharmacists, um, and depending on the hospital, take on probably what I would say is a little bit more in-depth clinical role. And not to say that our community pharmacists don't, but the hospital environment obviously exposes them to a lot more uh, conditions and situations that you may not always see in the community. You may also um, see a pharmacist taking on roles where they're working with uh, more directly with the other healthcare providers as well. So they're working with the doctors, the nurses, the, the therapists, whoever's around. The, um, there's more of, a, I guess, an easier uh, ability to work as a team in that environment. Um, so hospitals, kind of unique, and we kind of dig deeper if you want uh, on that. And then long-term care. This is when you're in a, 
in a home, and uh, typically uh, you have pharmacies that specialize in servicing and supporting long-term care homes. And uh, typically you have a pharmacist that uh, not only does um, the providing the medications to that uh, to the people in that home, but they also provide, uh, for example, quarterly reviews. So typically in every long-term care home, you have a pharmacist that comes in on a quarterly basis, does a medication review, looks at all the medications that each one of the patients are on, ensures that they're correct, ensures that there's any changes and stuff are documented, tracked, works with the physician as well. There's usually a primary physician at each one of the long-term care homes. Um, so again, d- tons of different... Um, and and um, I'm, I'm curious about what kind of access a loved one would have to a pharmacist serving a long-term care home? I mean, there there have been, as you know, yeah. some terrible problems in long-term care homes. Yeah. And one of the things that's come out in studies time and time again is that um, older people in long-term care are often getting too much medication. And sometimes they're getting too much medication because, you know, it's easier to control yeah. them that yeah. way. So if if I have a loved one in long-term care, can I come and talk to my pharmacist? Definitely. Um, I think what you need to know if you have a loved one in the long-term care is you need to find out who, which pharmacy actually services your long-term care home. Because typically, um, you don't have multiple pharmacies servicing a home. It doesn't make sense that way. It's not efficient. It's not... Um, it's it's not good. It's not a good way to kind of take care of so many people yeah. in in that environment. So usually there's one pharmacy. Um, if it is a local pharmacy, so you probably find that there's two, two different environments that takes place. There's one is where there's a local pharmacy servicing, which would be fantastic because what happens then is that you would have access, easy access to the pharmacist, most likely because there's also a place to go uh, locally to to visit. Um, alternatively, that pharmacist would be doing rounds at the home, and you can probably coordinate with the home to. I'd like to meet up and chat with the pharmacist there as well. There are some situations where you have homes, uh, the pharmacies that service a home that are done remotely. And the reason for that is that there's now a lot of technology and automation in terms of how uh, homes are serviced. People are receiving their medications in uh, strip packaging as well. So it's kind of like gumball machines, but your medications are in little packets. And uh, because of that technology, not all pharmacies are able to provide that service. So some of them are centralized, which means you may not have a local pharmacy that deals directly with that home, which means you do need to speak with the administrator at the home and say you'd like to you know, schedule a time when that happens. You know, I think that's a really good point because I I think that people with loved ones in nursing homes have a lot of questions and to know that there is another professional, another touch point who, and, and you know, has a good thing is maybe it's he's not, he's not working for the home really, you yeah, know, he's, yeah. he's independent or she. Um, I think that's really interesting for, for people to know. So uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again, uh, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And uh, just want to know, are you aware that uh, if you have questions about a loved one's meds in a long-term care home, you can talk to the pharmacist about that. Uh, and there are just different ways that this all comes together. Yeah, so, I mean, you made the comment that um, a lot of these uh, folks in the long-term care homes may be on a lot of medications. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly believe uh, that that is true. There's a lot of medications, I think, um, 
uh, we see as pharmacists, we do see that seniors are taking, especially uh, medications that can cause uh, higher risk for falls, medications that yeah. are for sleeping, or medications that just have drowsy effects that, that you don't necessarily have to take. And, and I've seen it. You know, you, you have somebody who's been taking something for sleep for a little bit of time, but all of a sudden it, they're taking it on an ongoing basis for years and years, and you're not even sure why they're still taking it anymore. But it's, um, uh, it takes effort and time to take someone off a medication. You can't just remove it from their system just like that in a number yeah. of cases. And uh, because of that effort, I don't know if it's always done that way. Um, if you do have someone, a loved one in a home, that quarterly review, just like we talked about meds checks in the yeah. community, there is a meds checks going on every few months with uh, with those people. And, and I believe you should have the ability to find out about those med checks. I think if you're the caregiver, you should have the opportunity, I think, to even sit down with the pharmacist while they're doing some of that med- medication review so that you can maybe see what's happening. It's, it's yeah. Getting involved is important. I think it's another thing. I mean, you know, we've been dealing with that this week, you know, in, in terms of a tragic situation. But, you know, things happen. And as I said, there there have been as a couple of studies in the last few months that said, you know, we too too many drugs for these people. There's what's called the uh, beers list out there, and uh, it's basically medications that have been known to increase the risk of falls and, and risk for for yeah. people. And uh, as a, uh, you know, pharmacists when they review the medications can then see what what is happening there and and what they can take. So, you talked about transitional care. Yes. And- <laughs> so you know, it, it you know say. You're in the hospital for a short period of time, yeah. hopefully, and they send you home with a prescription. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, you'd like to think that we have a system by now that has uh, hospitals and pharmacies and physicians all communicating with each other and, and being able to, um, in that ideal environment, just uh, see your background, your history, and have that electronic medical record that each one of your healthcare providers can see. And that would be, I think, at some point in time, we might get there. I think we're starting to get there in a few different ways, yeah. but it's it's early days, yes. It's, it's all kind of piecemeal yeah. and choppy, and there's little test groups here and there with yeah. that. Um, but unfortunately, when you leave that hospital, the system in that hospital, in most places in the province right now, uh, the pharmacy that you go to isn't going to see what happened there. And the hospital doesn't see what's happening in the pharmacy necessarily. Um, there are a few pilot projects where they're seeing at well, least Well, and I have to say that uh, go to carp.ca. There is a CARP offering where you can get your electronic health record. Uh, so uh, if people listening are interested in that, it is it is available. The question is how does it get populated in terms of the data, right? Because the pharmacy systems aren't driving in and the physician files, they aren't driving into the same location. Oh, right, right, right. right. Okay, uh, so... Oh. You have to fill it out. I'm pretty sure you'd have to fill that out right now, right? Okay, I did. That's... <laughs> you can get, you know, you can get your doctor's health records. That's right. I'm thinking of my own where I, I don't have the pharmacy records. Yeah. And... Um, there's a whole other aspect. I mean, this affected me when I was on chemotherapy. So uh, drugs that come by intravenous are covered by OHIP and you get them in the hospital. Yeah. But there are lots of chemotherapy drugs that are pills. And I remember I was very um, satisfied and and uh, just reassured because my pharmacist, like they were, they were on it. They understood the drugs because the was this the, in the hospital or was it in the um, community uh, pharmacy? Community at the time? pharmacy. There were uh, there were some that I got in the hospital, but I got you know most of them at my yeah. local pharmacy. Yeah. 
Yeah, that I mean that's one of the differences you highlighted here is that in in the hospital you are seeing more of the IV drugs and things. So the pharmacist is uh, more exposed to those types of medications. Yeah. When you're in the community, less so, but definitely if it's uh, something that more, more commonly or you're you're going to a pharmacist that has experience and exposure into that, then uh, definitely an opportunity. The uh, pharmacists have um, you'll find that over time different pharmacists will specialize in different things. So I know of pharmacists who are specialized in geriatrics, some that are specialized in diabetes, some that are specialized in HIV. And depending on who you have, you might have one of those pharmacists, obviously, that has uh, uh, that extra level of training after they've already been uh, licensed to do more and uh, to specialize in more as well. Okay. We have to take a quick break. Uh, we'll, we'll be back shortly with more on this. I'm going to give the numbers out again. We're talking about the various different types of pharmacists and the different things that they do. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm here with Billy Chung, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking about different types of pharmacists, the different roles they play, uh, which means there are different people that you can turn to for various kinds of advice when you need it. There's your pharmacist in the hospital that you may or may not see if you're in the hospital. And uh, Billy was just telling me that there some hospitals have two pharmacies, yeah. one for inpatient and one for outpatient. Uh, before you explain that, I'm going to give the numbers out again, because we'd like to hear from you about your experiences. Uh, have you ever had contact with a pharmacist who was not uh, your community pharmacist? And uh, do you have questions, maybe about a loved one in long-term care, maybe about a transition? But whatever question you have, Billy will answer. 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 uh, So two types of pharmacies in a hospital. The uh, easy one is the outpatient pharmacy, and that's the typical pharmacy you might see in your community, except it's at the bottom of the hospital or the kind of when you're leaving the hospital, you might see a pharmacy there. And uh, they'll fill prescriptions for both people leaving the hospital if they need medications and they need to get it right away. People in the community can even walk into that pharmacy as well and fill prescriptions as well. So that's your typical pharmacy. There's also an inpatient pharmacy. This is the one, if you're looking at traditional hospitals set up, they're usually kind of down in the basement somewhere. It's a dungeon. There's a pharmacy down there. Um, It's where all the prescriptions for all the people that are actually staying at the hospital get filled. Okay, so the hospital, that's a completely separate operation. Uh, You've got technicians who actually operate and run that that space, that pharmacy, actually. So you typically don't have a lot of pharmacists down there. It's registered pharmacy technicians. They're licensed with the college, Um, but they're the ones that do the checking and the filling of the script. I have some news for you, Billy. And yeah, that is. And of course, this isn't everywhere, but I, I d- did a tour of the new Humber River Hospital yes, I got just that before too. it opened. And yeah. there are robots doing a bunch of the, that work, and they're on conveyor belts. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, we, we took shots of it. I mean, you see these State robots, the uh, you know, these, you know, lines of drugs and plastic, and everything is barcoded. So, so there is no, uh, chance of a mistake because uh, you have the barcode on your admission thing. So the robots prepare all the things. There is an actual person who's going to give it to the patients and they match the barcode on the drug with the barcode on your wrist. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
So what you see in that environment is your pharmacy technicians are managing some of the technology and your pharmacists are actually out on the floors and they're doing consults and they're reviewing charts uh, and they're looking at different things that are uh, taking place as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's a different pharmacy and I think as we see it develop down the road, we're going to see this technology continue to integrate as well. Um, yeah, and do you think we'll be more uh, we'll be seeing more robots? Yeah, and and some of these hospitals ha- that have robots, they've named them. They're they're part of the team almost, right? And when I talked about long term care and how they they do um, uh, service long term care homes from a central pharmacy, same thing happens. They've got a facility that actually has the technology to really run these things a little bit more efficiently than just having people doing. It is more accurate, but you need you need people to manage that uh, from a dispensing side of things. And then you got your pharmacist looking at the clinical components. I think we'll see more and more of this, and even in the community. We, uh, we have some pharmacies that have this technology and these robots in the pharmacy as well. So that's also happening right now. Um, so it's, but we don't see them. <laughs> you, you probably don't see a lot of them. There are some pharmacies where you see, you'll, might see some equipment right behind the counter. And uh, that may be something that um, you'll, you, you see in terms of just when it's not too busy, the, the machine is still moving because it is still filling prescriptions as well. And, and the intent of that is, you know what, it frees up time for the pharmacist to spend with you when you are looking for information and consultation help and things like that as well what about um the bar that the barcodes i mean seems to me it's a way it's 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 safe a way to track yeah it's to make sure that when someone is about to get a medication and is being provided the medication that you're it's another check right you're scanning first and then uh to confirm the scan before you actually give it to that person it's a matching system so it um yeah there's nothing wrong with that i think that's just one extra safety measure there's lots of different safety measures but it's an additional one especially when you look at dosing right and it's like a small package that it might be you know, at the bedside of a patient, well, how do you know that that's the right thing besides just reading the label? What if the name is similar? What if it's, you know, not clear or whatnot? Things like that. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Ann in Guelph. Hello, Ann. Hi, Libby. Hello, Mr. Chung. Hi, Ann. Go ahead. Um, I, I'm a registered nurse, and uh, my husband was a, long ter- is a, was a long-term care physician in one of our uh, retirement homes here. And uh, my first scenario, I wanted to just describe my experience with my 90-plus-year-old mother. This is years ago. She's since passed away. When I took over her um, care, once she was in a retirement residence, I took her to the doctor. She used to go by herself. And I was alarmed to see how many meds she was on. And I wanted them to reviewed with the physician. And I couldn't understand why she was on certain medications. In any case, to make a long story short, the doctor did agree, although she first said, if it ain't broke, why fix it? And I said, well, I'm not sure it's not broken. Um, My mother doesn't seem to be herself and um, is dragging herself around, whereas she's always been an energetic person. So we took her off um, the occasional meds, uh, some of which were antihypertensives that she had been put on maybe 20 years before for a bit of hypertension. She had been borderline diabetic. She used to sit around in a quilting group, and they would chat and eat and have a great time. But since then, she'd <laughs> lost a lot of her body weight. So we took her off some of those oral hypoglycemics, the antihypertensives, and so on. And it was remarkable to see the change in my mother's demeanor. It was like she woke up. 
and she felt better. She could taste her food much better. She was um, more willing to be cooperative to go for walks and that sort of thing. So slowly and surely, we actually did reduce um, almost all of her medication um, because she had always been a healthy person and um, did live until the age of 98. Uh, and was feeling um, pretty good up until a few days before she did um, expire. So that was one situation. And, uh, of course, at home, my husband would come home from admitting patients back to the residence, and these patients that would go in with very carefully prescribed meds would come back to the home with multiple meds, where he would have to then wean them off. So what you were saying about having a system whereby there was some communication between the physician in charge of the, pa the patient's uh, basic care versus the emergent care that they had, there's a lot of uh, redundancy and time and money wasted trying to tease through all of the complicated prescribing that's going on that may not be in their best interest in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think there's a couple of comments I would make. One of them is that, uh, as you indicate, you know, things change over time. Your body changes over time. Your body exactly. composition, yeah. makeup. And, and so I, I truly believe that oh, no one should be prescribed something and then you just kind of turn around and walk away from it. And we see it. Sometimes we'll see patients that say, well, I've been on this blood pressure forever now. Why don't I have more refills? Well, your doctor probably wants you to go in once in a while to make sure it's still working the way it's intended to. And, and that's the same thing, I think, with just everything. When you do that review, there's, there's that opportunity. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and then your comment around just the complexity of when someone leaves a hospital to a pharmacy uh, to what their local physician is prescribing. I mean, when we talk about hospitals, they have formularies. They have specific drugs that they actually um, prescribe. It's not a, a broad range of everything. It's what is covered and what they're buying. So it may not be the same thing that you're taking when you're back in the community with your regular doctor, oh, that's regular a, that's pharmacy. interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, and thanks very much for telling us about that. Appreciate it. And I guess just one last comment is this advocacy thing has, is paramount in the care of everyone who's in a care situation. My mom was lucky she had us, but it is complicated, and I can only urge people to consult their family physicians and so on on a regular basis to make sure that the best care is being given. Yep. Yep. Good advice. Completely agree. Uh, it's, it's it's a problem for people who don't have anyone to advocate for them. Uh, but uh, yeah, if uh, if you have a loved one, demand those medication reviews and and get them done. I mean, there's a reason why pharmacies offer an annual meds check. It's sit down with the pharmacist, dedicated time, not interrupted, and then being able to review from top to bottom all your medications, what you're on, why should you still be on it. And again, it's once a year, a year later, what's changed, what's different, right? Um, and then you look at some of the drugs that uh, seniors are on, like, you know, do you still need it for sleep? Some people, they stop taking the sleeping medication, and then they can't sleep. Well, that's just a withdrawal in many cases. And so depending on the situation, you may be able to just wean yourself off, and then you might. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if you would do it on your own or with the help of a pharmacist or a doctor, but uh, you have to taper medications. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, that's where I, I truly think you should speak to your pharmacist about it. Pharmacists will help you and say, okay, is this something that you can take off quickly or is it something that you need to taper off of or do you need to actually discuss a little bit more to see if it's something you should even do anything about. So obviously don't do anything on your own, but obviously speak to your doctor and pharmacist. Yeah, and sometimes it's interesting because there's the other side of it. There's There, there are people who take too many meds. Uh, but then there are people who decide on their own, I'm not taking this yeah. anymore, and that's not good either. That could be dangerous as well, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, we are beginning to run out of time here. Uh, what what do you would you like to leave us with on all of this? You know, I think uh, what we start off with is that you got pharmacists in a lot of different settings, and uh, each one of those settings, those pharmacists play a different role. But uh, there's opportunity for people to interact with those pharmacists uh, to to get that additional support and help related to their medications and what they're taking. Um, so you know, wherever you are, whether it's community, hospital, long term care, or if you're a caregiver for somebody in those environments, make sure you find a way to really get that opportunity to interact and uh, get the most benefit out of how the system is uh, designed and built out right now. Okay, well, Billy, I think uh, that was really helpful to help us understand all the complexities of it. Appreciate that. Always fun to be here. Great. Thanks for being here. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.